0: Take your Bibles if you would, no children's church as far as I understand uh, today, so uh, kids if you'll just settle in and uh, you can follow along too. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, continuing our study, Sermon on the Plain. I understand we had some good discussions last week in our care groups and I also want to take time at this moment to invite you if you haven't been involved in a care group yet, go to one of the care groups tonight. Uh, Lots of uh, good opportunity there. They will be having a small group setting and and just some good uh, in-depth discussion in regards to what uh, we're speaking on this morning. So it's just a, a great way to continue to meditate upon the scriptures and the truth what God's teaching us. This section that we're kind of um, nestled down in at this point is in regards to, some know as the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and and we started this specific section after Christ had been along praying and came down and he selected his apostles and uh, from that point they... Um, Uh, He began to minister to a a mass of people who who had gathered at at this location. And uh, a variety of folks, be it believers, non-believers, the Pharisees no doubt gathered there. We know this because there were many who were healed of diseases. There were demons that were cast out. Um, And he began to teach to these people. And he talked about those that are blessed spoke about those that were also cursed. And he set up sort of a contrast. And I believe that's important as a backdrop as we go through the rest of this text to understand there is a contrast taking place. And especially today when we look at the specific section that we're in today, you'll see this contrast carried out. I want to take a little time out section here. Because I see y'all looking at me, and I'm feeling judged. (laughs) Don't judge me. It's funny. I joke, but the truth is, the reality is, some of you have already made assessments in your heart and mind in just the few moments I've been speaking. Some of you have probably judged that he's not wearing a tie. He ought to be wearing a tie. Some of you are judging that, you know what, he should be a little more relaxed. He looks uncomfortable. Some of you said that guy needs a haircut. (laughs) Oh, I might have found something there. Oh, (laughs) God. We all judge. Yet the most misquoted verse in Scripture today is, Judge not, lest ye be judged. That's quoted more often probably today than John 3.16. Yet the reality is, I think the fact that we do judge is an indication there's a God. What do I mean by that? Well, we're created in His image The fact that every man judges is an indication that we have some type of objective truth, therefore we judge. Now sometimes we make wrong judgment. And I would say probably more often times that's probably where we fall. Especially if we're judging in the natural sense or the appearance of things. But this lesson, I hope, will clear up for us that Christ, when He speaks these words which we'll see in today's text about not judging, it's not that He doesn't mean that we just don't make discernment calls or that we don't make moral assessments. In fact, we'll look at other scriptures that make it very clear that we are to judge, but we're to judge righteously. not based upon my opinion or your opinion or my likes or your likes or my preferences and your preferences. That's not why or how or the basis in which we judge. So let's take a look at today's text. And if for a little while you'll stop judging me, I'll stop judging you. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look. Look, if you will, in Luke 6, 27 Uh, and 36, just to kind of give us a recap, because I know we kind of brushed through this last week and we'll sort of brush through it this week and then get into today's text. But I say to you, who hear? And again, there's a significance. We talked about those who hear and those who don't hear. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise." But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would clear my mind. Uh, Lord, you know the distractions that... um, have grabbed hold this morning, and Lord, yet I pray that you move them, remove them from my thoughts, and Lord, that I would be a clean vessel for your honor to preach and proclaim your truth and your power. Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open and receptive, that we would hear. Lord, give us ears to hear. Be our teacher today. Lord, may we truly draw near to you and listen as you seek to teach us your truth and your way, we'll give you the glory and the honor, for we ask it in Jesus' name. For His sake we pray. Amen. We all make moral judgments, evaluations, moral scrutiny. You know, somebody said to me once, they quoted that verse, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. I said, who'd you vote for last election? We all make judgments. If it's good, in our heart and mind, we approve it. We approve of it. Whatever the action. If I believe it's good, then I approve it. If I think it's bad, I reject it. Problem with that assessment is I am the rule of thumb. And that's what gets us in trouble. When I measure based upon my standard, that's the wrong standard. That's not the standard to help us make discernment between what's right and what's wrong. The fact that there is morality, the fact that there is a moral law, tells us there is a moral lawgiver. Judgment should point us to an objective source of truth. It should point out that because every man and woman does this, the animals don't do this in that sense, man does this in that sense, it should point us to there's a God. There's moral law, there's truly right, and there truly is wrong, then there must be a moral law giver. Jesus is just taught here on loving your enemies. And this is in the context of loving your enemies. Well, you've got to make a discernment as to who your enemies are, don't you? You've got to make a judgment as to why that person's an enemy or why they're not an enemy. You know, what's interesting is Christ goes through this portion of Scripture that we just read. We closed with this thought last week and you'll find it in verse 35 where he says, Love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. If you don't get anything out of this today, get this. Here's what's at the backbone of what he's teaching here. We are to represent the Most High. We are to represent the Most High. And you see, if we started as he began to preach, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. If I find myself at a place of humbleness and brokenness before a holy God and I receive the forgiveness and grace, because this is a a text that's truly about salvation... And we'll see that as we begin to wrap it up in the days ahead. There is a great contrast between the blessed and the cursed. The blessed are those who receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those who are of the way, those that seek to follow after Christ, they will be the sons of the Most High. They will represent Christ in what He truly intended. God's true intention when His grace was bestowed upon this world. Unlike contrasting with the Pharisees that He continues to blast the religious. There's a great contrast set up here. And it's even there in their presence. There are those that have been called to be apostles. They are being trained and commissioned to go out and carry out the ministry because Christ knows the turning point has come. The cross is in sight. And so there's this contrast set up if you will, between the truly righteous and the truly self-righteous. And so, He begins to teach these things. Notice Jesus is expanding in verse 36 what it is like to be like the Father. You see, the Pharisees had messed this up. They had taken these Truths that God had entrusted to the Jewish people, and yet now at this point, they have totally abandoned the truth that was behind it. And they had made these traditions, and they had set their traditions on a a pedestal far above God's intent, the heart behind the truths. Truths. And so Jesus is expanding in verse 36 what it's like to to be like the Father. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. All of this giving and lending and being good, those type things, who does that represent? It represents the very God that gives them breath, that gives them life. And yet, see, the Pharisees, they had failed in this. They had not done this. I'll give you an example. Look, if you would, over in Luke 11. Let's turn over there for a second. Luke chapter 11. And let's look in, let's see, verse... Look in verse 42. Look in 11.42 of Luke. Luke 11.42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue in all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You see, the Pharisees, they've forsaken the intent. They're not representing who they should have been representing with those who have been entrusted with the oracles of truth. And so this precedes today's text. We see that Christ is laying this groundwork and then he goes into this, verse 37, judge not. And that's the first point I want to talk about today. Judge not. So if we're to reflect him in mercy and in kindness, what about this judge not? To discern from what is good and what is bad. The idea here is that in not judging we're not to be judged and juror. We're not supposed to try the case before it's time. This is a legal word. Passing sentence, passing judgment. To make a call to whether it's innocent or guilty, eternally speaking. Now, It's not for me to determine who's in heaven and who's out. That's not my call. And yet, too often times, with our judgmental statements, we assume the role of both judge and juror. And that's not our place discerning fault in order to condemn. Not good! Now, again, he's not saying we're never to assess someone and ascribe no guilt or or, or moral determination. I I, I mean, again, we're going to look at we are to judge righteously. But the Pharisees had they been leading up this big crowd gathering, they would have already marked the ones who were accepted by God and those who weren't. This was common practice in their culture. If you were poor, you were out. If you were diseased, you must have God's curse upon your life. They were being judge and juror. They were passing sentence, if you will. And they were forsaking the heart of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And think about how radical of a message this is when Christ is up there teaching and standing there and knowing what His mission is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When we think about while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's not the kind of love, grace, and mercy that the Pharisees were extending. And I wonder if us as believers and Christians today, to certain segments of society, that we're not offering them grace, love, mercy, forgiveness. Jesus, though, he made judgment calls, did he not? I mean, when he was here, and, and, and so again, I want, I want us to, there, we, there's a fine line in between the two. You know, we're not one of these, uh, was it, greasy grace. Somebody came up with, I don't know who, somebody told me that phrase. I like that. That's a, a lot of people want to use greasy grace. I mean, we don't want greasy grace. No, no, no. Greasy grace as anything goes. Oh, we're just going to overlook it, brother. We're going to overlook it, sister. You know, um, that's that's your lifestyle choice. That's fine. We won't judge you. That's a lie. Somebody says that they're not judging you. They just judged you. They did. So... We don't believe in greasy grace. And this is found in Scripture. Look, um, that passage over in Luke 11. If you were there or you want to just stay where you're at, I can read it. That's fine. Um, but that Luke 11, he goes on and says this about those same Pharisees that he said, Woe to, verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Wow, it's pretty harsh words. How about this? Jesus called Herod a fox, and he wasn't talking about being attractive, it was talking about sly and craftiness, not a very favorable term in those days. He called in Matthew 7, 6 those who rejected His teaching swine. Those that rejected His teaching He called them swines. I'm not recommending that if you're at the workplace and somebody doesn't want to hear John 3, 16 that you call them a pig. Alright, you filthy pig. Probably not the best evangelistic approach for us. But, again we are called to discern. Enemies. This is what he said in regard to his enemies in Matthew 7, 15. He referred to them as ravening wolves, raging wolves. Serpents in Matthew 12, 34, speaking to the Pharisees. He called them brood of vipers. And of course, my favorite one of all in John 8, you children of the devil... Some of you have heard this story before, but a pastor friend of mine had a youth rally. And man, it was going good. We had about five different youth groups all together. And this worship band was up there playing. And it was just a great time. And all of a sudden, I see this, this kid just jumps up. And he takes off a run crying, just bawling. I mean, tears. And all of a sudden, here goes his sister running after him. And then here goes three other girls running after him. And and then I see his youth pastor get up and go running after him. I thought, what in the world is going on? So I better go see. So I go over there and there's the bathroom stalls and the girls are out front and they're all just consoling each other. And and I'm like, what's going on? It's my brother. It's my brother who's in there. And I was like, okay. So I go in the bathroom. There's this kid laying on the stall floor. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I just made a judgment. And, uh, (laughs) gross. And he's crying his eyes out and there's his youth pastor standing there over him just like this. And he's standing there and I walk into the conversation and I hear the youth man say to the guy, he goes, Daniel, you know who you're acting like? Daniel's, yes. Your father. And I'm thinking, oh, his father must have some emotional issues or something. Your father the devil. (laughs) And I was like, not exactly the approach I would have used. But I guess they had had a good enough relationship that they had had this conversation before that when he was responding in the flesh in such a way, uh, wasn't exactly Christ-like. Um, thinking that was probably the point. I hope that was the point. <laughs> but Jesus referred to the Pharisees as children of the devil. Which, by the way, prior to our conversion, we too, we're children of the devil, if you will. We were children of wrath. We were children of darkness. Lest ye forget. Gang, I, 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 when Paul writes that, when Paul tells us that, you know, he goes through a list of, of people who are homosexuals and fornicators and drunkards, and he goes through this whole list of people, and then he basically says, you know what, so were you. Don't forget, so were you. You once too. We're children of disobedience. You too once were children of wrath. Gang, when we put ourselves in that situation because that's the truth of Scripture, apart from the grace of God, apart from what Christ did, His death, burial, resurrection upon the cross, you and me are in the same boat as those sinners we like to judge. And we need a reminder that... Just as you and I were undeserving of God's grace, yet He still offered it to us. I didn't do anything to deserve that grace. When God found me, I wasn't exactly looking for Him, to be honest with you. And I was in a pretty dark place. And in spite of my lifestyle in spite of my sin God loved me and he offered me not condemnation or judgment he offered me forgiveness he offered me mercy he offered me grace and i'm so thankful that he offered me that and that's what we need to offer others we're ambassadors we're representatives of the Father, of the King, of Christ, and His kingdom. Well, again, that's it's not that we shouldn't use discernment. we are to use discernment. that our discernment should reflect mercy and kindness. In grace. Jesus said to His own disciples, You have little faith, foolish men, sluggish of heart. Peter at one time was referred to as Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He was called a stumbling block. This is Peter. This is Jesus talking to the believers, if you will. We are called to make judgments. Look over in John. John 7. John 7, please. John 7 verse 24 John 7:24 says this Do not judge according to appearance Do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment We're told to judge. The Bible says that he who's spiritual judges all things. He who's spiritual judges all things. He who's spiritual discerns all things. I hope you discern. I hope you make the judgment call of, hey, you know what? Should I go to that place? Or is me going to that place going to present a stumbling block? That's using judgment. That's using righteous judgment. Hey, if I opt to do this because, hey, I've got liberty to do this, is that what's best for my testimony? That's a judgment call, isn't it? And you need to make those judgment calls. And those calls are hard sometimes, aren't they? Just because you've got liberty doesn't mean it's what's best. You're representative of the kingdom. Be careful in your judgment that you make righteous judgment. But also guard against judging self righteously. There's a balance there, and the only way you and I are going to determine the balance is to know the mind of Christ because I can tell you, I can already tell you, my judgment meter's broke and so is yours. The objective truth of God's word, that's the only thing that can gauge my right and wrong decisions. The principles that are found in God's truth is what has to govern our decision-making. Think about the context here when Jesus delivers His sermon on the plane. Jesus is being judged. He's being wrongly judged, isn't He? Think about what's already happened in Jesus' life up to this point. Just in recent... Context, he's been accused of breaking the Sabbath. Right? Remember, what your disciples are doing, this is unlawful. They're not to be doing this on the the Sabbath. They're plucking those grains. That's, That's against the law. They're breaking the Sabbath law. And remember, we talked about this. That wasn't the Sabbath law. That was their law. That was the standard that they come to accept. And remember, we spent a Sunday service... And some of us got our toes stepped on because we said a few things that we now equate as the law of God, certain standards. Listen, I'm all for standards. I'm glad you all have standards. But I can probably guess that if I go into Holton's house, spend a little time with Holton, and I come over to Miss Jean's house, spend a little time with Miss Jean, and then I go over to Brother Gerald's house, spend a little time with him. Maybe I pop in MBS while I'm out that way. I'd swing back through the Turners and I hang out with High Towers. And I just my guess is you all have some different standards in your home. I'm just saying, but that doesn't mean that what they do in their home is wrong to Miss Jean or right to Miss Jean. She may have a different set of standards. Don't compare to one another your standards. Don't make that your law. There's one objective truth. What is behind, what is the heart behind what God is intending with the Sabbath law? It wasn't what the Pharisees were saying, but they had put it there. Right? And sometimes that's what we do. We take a truth, but then we kind of add to it. That's not what we need to do. Well, not only had Jesus been judged by the Pharisees that He was breaking the Sabbath, some of them even judged He had a demon. They said what He was doing was demonic. demonic. I made a little note here. Beware of fault finders who are oblivious to their own sin. Beware of fault finders. You know the fault finders, don't you? I mean, you just can't ever do anything right around them. They're always pointing out. Critical spirit, critical spirit, you know. Y'all remember the Muppets? Remember those two old men set up in that up in that booth? Critical spirit. (laughs) Beware of the fault finders. You see, Christ is contrasting Those of the kingdom, those that are not of the kingdom. He's contrasting the actions of the Pharisees and those that He's training, those disciples, those apostles that He's sending out. There's a great contrast here in how they should do as opposed to what's been done. He goes on, He says, Judge not. Notice He says, Also condemn not. Turn back over there if you're not there yet. Luke 6. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. This condemn not means it's, don't develop a judgmental, critical spirit always finding fault. Do not misrepresent Him. Do not misrepresent Him. You are a display of the character and the nature of God. Think about Christ as our example. John 3. Notice what he says here. John chapter 3. Some of you can quote this verse. John 3, 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. So why then do we think we've got the right to condemn the world if we're representatives of Christ? He didn't send us out into the world to condemn them either. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not Condemned! But, he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They're already condemned if they've not received Christ. Our our responsibility should be to Represent, as Christ did, to be Christ-like to them. Displaying the nature of God, the character of God. Sure, we discern righteous judgment. We should be wise in what we do and how we carry ourselves. But look, I don't put my standards on a lost man. When the blind man steps on your foot, you don't knock him down. He can't see. He doesn't know any better. So why are we holding the standard that you and I know as believers and followers of Christ to the lost and dying world who's condemned already? The natural man doesn't discern the things of the Spirit. So, we are to display the character and nature of God. Notice he says, forgive. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. This is uh, another legal term. It means to acquit. It means to acquit one accused of a crime and set him at liberty. To release from guilt. Look back over on Luke 4. Luke's already told us about this. This is part of Christ's mission, it should be part of our mission in Luke 4. This idea of forgiveness, it's found in in verse 34. I'm sorry, Uh, misquote. Notice up in verse 18, 418, 418. Jesus speaking in the synagogue says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's that setting them free and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, here it is, those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To release. To set free. This should be the marking of us as representatives of the kingdom of Christ. The message that we're taking to these people, that's the message we should be bringing. A message of hope. More loving, more compassionate, more kind to the unbeliever. Pardon. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Look, if you would, over in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and 12 says the following. Matthew 6 verse 12. And forgive us. The disciples' prayer, often called the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, one of the evidences that you have received the love and the grace of the Father is an outflow of forgiveness. Christ is teaching them these things. Those that are giving and lending to the poor, those that are doing good to to these people. He's giving them, this is what it looks like. When God really has your heart, this is what it looks like. Not like what we have over here as the example. They would have understood this contrast. but many did not and the reality is many still do not look over in Matthew 18 we'll, we'll see this Matthew 18 a little more instruction about forgiveness Matthew 18:21 then Peter came to him and said, "Lord, how often how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him?" Up to seven times, maybe? Perhaps? Question mark? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he said, he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that... Had been done. Then his master, after he had called him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You should not also have had, you should, you should not, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay. All that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The wicked slave, his heart, had not yet experienced the grace that was given to him by the judge. And Christ standing here teaching, and though there were many representing Christ, representing Him, they didn't really understand. They had truly not received within their heart. They had truly not been like the poor in spirit that He began this Sermon on the Mount. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And notice verse 38 in conclusion. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. pressed down. Shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, if you're not merciful judgment and dealing then your heart hasn't truly experienced and been changed by the forgiving mercy grace and kindness of God oh we want God's grace and forgiveness but we want to hold others to a different standard Ephesians Four and thirty-two. You can turn there and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I don't know about you, but I know where I was when God found me. And I am so thankful that He was willing to forgive me. That He didn't give me what I deserve. Instead, He gave me grace. And you know what? You've got neighbors and co-workers and friends and people that you know. And the reality is, They don't need your judgment or condemnation. They need forgiveness. Because, you know, that's really the only thing that separates us and them. We've been forgiven. As born-again believers, we have believed in the only name given amongst men by which to be saved. there's therefore no condemnation to those that that believe in Christ but those folks just haven't believed yet and therefore they are in condemnation and you're a representative of the kingdom and just as Christ went throughout the land and preaching the gospel that was his mission to seek out that which was lost and he did so with mercy and grace. And that's how we should go out. Matthew 5, 44. And again, Sermon on the Mount. um, Expanded text, if you will, uh, from the Sermon on the Plain. Notice what is said here. Matthew 5, in verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just. And on the unjust. If that's what God does, then who are we not to do it? Application. Our justification. What does Jesus accomplish for us in the courtroom? Not guilty. Because of his life, his death, and resurrection, our guilt has been paid for. We have been liberated. We're free. But I'm afraid some of us need to repent of what's found in Jude. Look over in Jude. We're coming in for a landing. On the sermon on the plane. <laughs> I've been wanting to get a plane joke in since I did it. Anyway, all right, here we go. Jude. I knew you like that one, Flora. Alright, look over in Jude. In verse sixteen. Speaking of apostates, these are grumblers. The Pharisees were such. There are still the religious today that are grumblers. Complainers. Walking according to their own lusts. And they they mouth great swelling words... Flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which, you, which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, I imagine we all fall into that category to some extent at times, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest. You live in America, you've grumbled and complained I know, every time you watch the news, you do it. (laughs) Can I admit something? I do too. That ought not be a marking of us. That should not be a marking of us. Take every opportunity to administer kingdom judgment. Kingdom judgment. Because... You're sons of the king. You're daughters of the king. Administer kingdom judgment. Because, see, God has said, you are an ambassador. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Let's represent that kingdom. And this is what Christ is teaching. It's a sermon on the Plain. He's calling out his people for his name's sake, for his glory. Represent the kingdom of Christ at work, at home, at school, with neighbors, with all men. Live out your privileged position.